Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. Well, welcome indeed. Today we're going to look at Lord's Day 24, questions 63 and 64 in the Heidelberg Catechism. And these two questions are really follow-up lessons from question 62, where we are taught that our good works cannot save us. We learned in our last lesson that all of our works are tainted with human sin. Every single word that we speak, every thought that we think, every action we take is sinful. In fact, even our religious efforts fall far short of God's perfect standard of righteousness and are utterly worthless. And that applies to Christians as well as to unbelievers. Try as we might, as Christians, we can never attain perfection in this world, even though we aim for it. We are, as Martin Luther said, simul justus et peccator, simultaneously sinners and justified saints. So Isaiah could remind us in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The good works that save us are not our works, though, are they? They are the works of Christ. They are his virgin birth, his sinless life, his suffering and death on the cross, his resurrection and ascension, his intercession for us. We are saved by faith in him, by simply believing that he has done the works that we cannot do. Obviously, knowing this will raise important questions in our minds. Like, if all of our good works are tainted with sin, why then does the Bible tell us that God will reward us for our good works? And perhaps even more critically, if good works cannot save us, then can a Christian believer live a life of carelessness or even a life of debauchery and still go to heaven? Here's our two catechism questions and the answers we must give. Question 63. But do our good works earn nothing, even though God promises to reward them in this life and the next? The answer is, this reward is not earned. It is a gift of grace. And question 64. Does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? The answer is no. It is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. And those are the subjects for this lesson. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. Well, let's begin then by stating that our good works are indeed rewarded by God. That might seem like a contradiction. Good works cannot earn God's approval, but good works are rewarded by God. In fact, the Bible teaches us that on Judgment Day, we will be judged according to our works. 
If you have your Bible handy, open it at Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. We're going to read down to verse 15. I'm reading from the King James Version. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can understand why the ungodly would be condemned by their sinful works if even their best works fall short of God's standard. But how does God judge the believer by his works or her works? Remember that Christ's righteousness is imputed to the Christian. Christ's righteousness is credited to the believer's account. When God looks at us, he sees Christ. He sees Christ's perfection. He sees his sinlessness, and we are declared not guilty. But the Bible goes further than that. Our feeble, imperfect works are rewarded by God. Turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 12. There Jesus says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, we're told without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, there you are. We will be rewarded in heaven. The Catechist deals with this apparent contradiction when he teaches us that this reward is not earned. It is a gift of grace. Put simply, God regards the imperfect works of the believer just because it pleases him to do so. Jesus said in Luke 17 and verse 10, So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Let's try to explain this in simple everyday terms. A little boy goes out to the garage. And he finds a lump of old wood. It's utterly worthless. But he finds a couple of other misshapen blocks and a hammer and a few nails. And he nails them together. And he brings them into his daddy. And he says, look what I've made, daddy. I've made you a boat. Well, it looks nothing like a boat. But what will dad do? He'll look at the boat, this misshapen bit of wood. And he'll say, thank you, son. It's the best boat ever. He's rewarding his son, not because the boat has any merit of its own, not because it's good in itself, not because it'll ever float, but because he loves the boy. So God rewards his children, not because of their feeble, imperfect works, not because those works have any merit, but because he loves them and wants to bless them. And that's grace.
getting something that you haven't earned and that you don't deserve. In fact, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4, 7-8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. It's a gift. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Question 64 moves on to ask whether you can be a Christian and continue to live a sinful life. Now, this is really relevant today when churches around the world are teaching that there's such a thing as gay Christians. People who claim to be followers of Christ, but are continuing to practice lifestyles that are contrary to the scriptures, and therefore the opposite to a God-pleasing life. So can you be a Christian and continue to willingly and openly sin? Does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? The answer is no. The Catechist tells us that it is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. His use of the word grafted is interesting. We have been grafted into Christ. He's using horticultural language to describe our relationship with Christ, just as Jesus himself did in John 14 and verse 5, when he said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Because we are drawing our life from Christ as an engrafted branch draws its sap from the host plant, it is impossible for us not to be producing good fruit in our lives. So just as Christ has forgiven us, we will forgive others. Just as Christ loves us and loved us when we were still unlovable, we will love our neighbours as ourselves. In fact, we will love our enemies and we will pray for them and we will do good to those who persecute us. And just as Christ has demonstrated mercy to us, we will show mercy to others, and so on. Our lives will start to reflect Christ's life dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus simply took it for granted that his disciples would be known by their good works. He taught them in Matthew 5 and 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The Christians' good works should be clear evidence that they have been converted. James puts this very strongly in James 2 and verse 18. He says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. There it is. Those who have been united to Christ through saving faith will bring forth good fruit in keeping with that union. Well, what of those then that continue in their sin, claiming to be Christians? Well, we have to conclude that they know nothing of Christ, nor of his saving work, and that they have never known him, and that their future is not bright. Matthew 7 and verse 18 A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. 
Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Well, before we finish, let's worship God together in the words of Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord God and call on his name. His wonderful deeds to the nations proclaim. Sing praises to him and his exploits record. Let all those who seek him rejoice in the Lord. You chosen ones look to the Lord and his might. Seek ever his face and his wonders recite. His miracles too and his judgments divine. You children of Abraham, Jacob's own line. Psalm 105 verse 1 to 6 and the tune is Foundation. So the psalmist instructs us to be thankful to God and so proclaim his wonderful deeds to the whole world. Our catechist does that too in this question when he talks about thankfulness. The catechism is divided into three sections. George Bethune summarised it in these three words, guilt and grace and gratitude. It is that gratitude, being thankful for God's saving work in Christ, in our lives, that is, the wellspring of our Christian life, which outworks itself in good works. How can we not be truly grateful for what we have in Christ? Guilty sinners, saved by God's grace, forgiven, made eternally secure in him. Why wouldn't we want to respond in grateful and thankful obedience, living for him, a life that shows others that we have met with Jesus. Grace never leads to license. Grace never leads to careless lives. Grace leads to gratitude and gratitude to good works. Let's quote again that summary we used in our last lesson. Works are not the root of our salvation. They are the fruit of our salvation. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.